the NBA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. Get started today and you'll get a risk-free bet for up to $500. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at winbet.com. That's W-Y-N-N-Bet.com and download the app today. We're also brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is your home for free daily video picks from SGPN. It's like YouTube for sports gambling. Make sure to subscribe to our profile at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. At sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. We're also brought to you by Riffer. Riffer is your home for many podcasts from the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Subscribe to our Riffer channel today at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Riffer. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Riffer, R-I-F-F-R. Sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Riffer. And welcome, everybody, to a Monday morning edition of the NBA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. It is Monday, April 19th, 11.30 a.m. Eastern, 8.30 for those of you on the West Coast. Um, This is your host, ZB, from the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, and I am joined by Munaf. As always, Munaf coming to us live from the desert. I'm seeing some Vegas behind you. I know you're you usually have a bunch of sick sports memorabilia behind you, which I'm also jealous of. But right now I'm jealous of the Vegas skyline <laughs> behind you. So Munaf, how you doing, bro? I'm doing well, man. I mean, I'm in the America's playground and uh it's 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 been fun so far. Still have another another day or two here. It's um it's been fun, man. I'm I'm not sure if you can see, I can show you maybe later, but I have the T-Mobile Arena behind me where the Golden Knights play, so we're trying to get in there tonight to go watch watch their game. And then uh, if you, I'll, I'll show you later on, but like a little right down like that way, uh, it's the uh, the Raiders Stadium, the new stadium, and it it looks really nice. We kind of drove by it yesterday. It's not officially open yet because of the pandemic, but man, the design of it, it it looks like a, like a giant like a like those one of those robot vacuums you got like an iRomba in your house. <laughs> But, um, I mean, yeah, Vegas looks like it's slowly getting back to uh, pre-pandemic. You know, it almost seems like it's there's no COVID going on over here. But um, hopefully Vegas came back to what it was before pre-pandemic. And quickly wanted to talk about uh, the Circa Sportsbook. I had tweeted this to uh, yes. uh, Mr. Derek Stevens yesterday, and I, uh, I uh, tagged uh, Sean and Ryan on it, and I had some – conversations with sean about you know i was going to go out there and visit uh sports the circus sports book because it was a buzz of the town and then you know during the pandemic it had opened up and um you know usually i'm always at the westgate watching games when i'm in vegas but you know i told my buddies hey let's go check out circa you know because it's it's a brand new uh brand new sports book and a brand new hotel and we went there yesterday for a little bit nba action um it's phenomenal uh, if you guys have not been out there and Make a trip out there to check out the Circa and support Circa Sportsbook and uh, Mr. Derek Stevens there. Phenomenal, phenomenal design. Uh, plenty of seating, plenty of screens, plenty of bedding kiosks, plenty of like cashier uh, windows where you could go up and make your beds or if you want to go to the kiosks and make a bed. And I was talking to Jake last night. He said he wanted to kind of get out here and uh, he was asking about the stadium swim pool. Uh, where you, there's like a giant screen where there's like sports going on. And I'm like, 
yeah, there's kiosks out there where you can put bets in, and and you know, I think they have a little mini sports book out there too, where you can walk walk up and make a and make a bet. But you know, definitely, definitely, if you're making a trip out to Vegas here and in the near future, come check out Circle Sportsbook. Uh, it, it it's it's I don't have words to describe like I was telling you off the prod, but you just got to see it for yourself. Yeah, it sounds absolutely incredible. Obviously, friends, I, I've seen uh, Sean and Ryan get out there hyping up on social media, yeah. so definitely sounds incredible. If you are able, top three highlights of the Vegas trip so far for you. I saw you had some French toast action going on Twitter that made, yeah. made me very, very, look very, very good. Yeah, so uh, before I got involved with SGPN, um, I, I made friends with uh, uh, one of the guys on covers.com there. And, um, you know, he's a huge French toast guy. And I, I, uh, <laughs> I tweeted him. I was like, Hey man, what's, uh, what's one of the, you know, best, uh, uh, French toast place out here. I was like, I'm willing to go local to some of the local spots too, because we did rent a car. We like going off strip to, you know, like Red Rock casino out there and, you know, trying some of the local places. So he told us about, uh, pegs, glorified ham and eggs. I think that was uh, Chris Andrews over there at, at uh, at the South point, one of the bookmakers there. And I was like, well, let's go check it out. And, you know, I got the French toast. It, it was amazing. My friend got, um, it would think like a omelet, which was really good. And then my other buddy got a breakfast sandwich and everything was, was fantastic. So, um, touting that, you know, if you get out there, check out pegs, glorified ham and eggs. And then I, some sports betting, you know, yesterday, uh, I posted a ticket on our, on our NBA slag, you know, we took the first half over, and the Nets and um, was that Nets and the Heat game that yeah that one cashed and then my buddy put in a three hundred dollar three hundred dollar parlay on the Miami Heat to cover and then the Charlotte Hornets to cover so he had got a little nice little cash there so that was highlight number two and uh, three I think hopefully we can get out to that Golden Knights game tonight you know um, they're letting certain uh, certain amount of crowd in. Um, I think they're selling it in pods, but, uh, you know, definitely we want to get out there um, and check out the, the T-Mobile arena, uh, get it out to a first hockey game. I've never seen a hockey game. I've seen all the other sports, but, uh, you know, they, he said uh, he's been to a game and he said, you know, the hockey, hockey's really fun. So we might want to check that out tonight. But other than that, man, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's been great so far. Um, still got another night or two here left. So, you know, hopefully I can uh, get some money from the tables and a little more from the sports book. But uh, definitely, man, you need to get out here. And then, uh, you know, I know I was talking to Sean and he said planning something for NFL week one for, you know, the DGen nation to get out here. So, uh, you know, hopefully we can make that happen. And, um, you know, Vegas, Vegas is back almost, man. It's, it's exciting times out here. Yeah, dude, I'm you're hyping me up right now. I'm, I'm it's exciting. <laughs> you know, I've, I've I've only been a couple or once actually. Um, and, with, oh, yeah. with, and, you know. Sounds obviously incredible, and obviously, like you said, the Mecca, America's playground, looking very cool. Glad you got some NBA betting in. Let's tune to that now. Obviously, yeah. uh, you know, a, a big weekend, a lot of good games, and obviously um, some, you know, news to get to. We're going to start off our show today with the new segment, the Daily Fadeaway. So far, we have had the OKC defense and the Minnesota Timberwolves defense featured on this, on this uh, segment where – you know, we're looking at a, a unit or a team that you were thinking is ripe to uh, to fade going forward for maybe a week or so, you know, a, a short-term time frame thing. So, Munaf, we're going to kick it to you because you are providing today's Daily Fadeaway. Yeah, so um, 
today's daily fadeaway um, is I'm actually going to go with my hometown team, the Houston Rockets. And um, we take a look over their last 10 games, they're dead last in defensive efficiency. I mean, this seems kind of like an obvious play because they are one of the worst teams in the league right now. But, you know, we, we talked about how the daily fadeaways will be, be something for a spurt of like two to three or four games. And yep. I kind of want to go back, yeah, to uh, March 22nd after they lost or after they snapped their 20-game losing streak against the Toronto Raptors. Since then, they have four wins. Um that was against Toronto, Minnesota, Dallas, and then I think it was on Saturday night against Orlando. After each of those losses, oh, sorry, after each of those wins, they've lost the game straight up and against the spread in each of those four games after those wins. Um, they're sorry, three losses after those wins. So counting Saturday, they play Miami tonight. Um, they're zero and three against the spread, and they're giving up an average of one hundred and twenty-three points to their opponent in those three losses after those three wins since March 22nd. So kind of going back to circling it is that they do play Miami tonight. So you probably want to take a look at playing Miami on the spread tonight and possibly taking their team total because we kind of know that, Hey, the Rockets know that they kind of have to end up in a top four position or have a, the four, one of the four uh, worst losing records in the NBA to kind of secure that top four pick. Um, so now is probably a time where they're going to start losing some games and they have some opponents coming up, which are tough. They have Miami tonight, who's off of a big win against the Brooklyn Nets yesterday. Then they take on the Utah Jazz, the Clippers, and then the Denver Nuggets. So this is probably a good time to fade the Houston Rockets for these next, for at least this next week. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, you look at these these last five games here, really, I mean, the Orlando game was the one where their defense, I guess, did kind of show up holding them to 110. But that's remember, that's yeah. the Orlando offense we're talking right. about. So, you know, you have all these high totals here. You know, for tonight's purposes, I think it is also a good spot for Miami to kind of hopefully get right here um, against an offense, against a defense. So that's, the, you know, a low caliber like Houston, mm-hmm. Miami. You know, you mentioned you had that first half over in Brooklyn, Miami, that cash well. Mm-hmm. The Heat offense obviously slowed down a lot in the second half, you know, just 45 points in the second half there. So, you know, they they definitely had the potential to outburst here. Um, let's take a look at this Rockets schedule coming up. Um, obviously, Miami tonight. Um, mm-hmm. Let me just get it here. Miami tonight, then Utah, then the Clippers, then the Nuggets, then that yeah. Minnesota offense, then Milwaukee, then Steph Curry. Um, so, you know, we will see as, you know, we said two to three games here, a lot of tough opponents coming up for this Rockets team. So definitely like the idea that their defense could be, you know, very, very exploitable on a team total angle. The Heat are at 113 tonight. Um, so definitely worth taking a look at that. And then, I mean, as, as we go forward, like you said, I mean, they have done a, a good job here since the James Harden trade of getting down in the standings as far as possible. Um, now only half a game behind the Minnesota Timberwolves for that number one pick. And the Timberwolves have been playing a little bit better. So, you know, yeah. I think there's a pretty good chance we see the Rockets finish with the worst record in the NBA this year. Yeah. And then quickly also, uh, if you do see John Wall and Kevin Porter Jr. playing tonight together, they've played nine games together so far this season. Um, I just have the stat in front of me. But they're two and six straight up, three and five against the spread, and I think it's seven and two to the over. Um, in those nine games where those two guys have played together. So I, I think the metrics and, and the trends kind of 
with what the Rockets have done after a win over, you know, post all-star break and then having John Wall and Kevin Porter Jr. playing together. If John Wall goes tonight, um, you kind of want to take a look at taking the over possibly full game and then also Miami team total and fading, fading the, fading the Rockets uh, tonight. So maybe, you know, taking Miami minus eight, parlaying that with the over or maybe a first half Miami who are, they play better in the first half, um, you know, First half over in Miami spread would possibly be a play for 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 uh, for me tonight and and our listeners. Yes, and obviously uh, Jimmy Butler's health worth monitoring. He had that yep. little ankle turn, did not play yesterday. The uh, the Heat were still able to get that win quickly. What did you think of that uh, Kevin Durant situation yesterday? Apparently, they're listing it as a contusion to the thigh. Mm-hmm. Looked probably a little bit worse than that. Um, you know. What did you make of that of that situation there with, with KD coming out about ten minutes into that game yesterday? I mean, when you have chicken legs like Kevin Durant does, it's gonna <laughs> you know, the injuries are gonna pile up. I mean, it's tough to see. I mean, you know, hopefully the game is obviously better when Kevin Durant is out there, regardless of what team he's on, because it, it, we don't remember the last time the guy that's almost seven feet be able to do the things that Kevin Durant is able to do by creating his own shot, by having a, a just one of the nicest jump shots in the league and also being able to defend and rebound the basketball. So hopefully it's nothing too serious for him. Maybe, you know, now now that he has this injury, I'm, I'm pretty sure James Harden is going to be back in the next couple of games. So they're kind of rotating in and out. But um, I think they're going to be okay. Uh, I, I Now I think that they had the loss last night. And Philly now knows, hey, they could get another game up on the Brooklyn Nets to kind of secure that number one seed. But hopefully, the serious or the injury to Kevin Durant isn't too serious, and he he can come back fairly soon. Yeah, the the, the Sixers are definitely looking like the one seed is going to be theirs to lose at least, and that sets up yeah. that next that Nets Bucks series in the second round, which is going to be just an absolute pleasure to dig into and watch. Um, let us. So we're going to start off with. Uh, some best bets for tonight. That's Monday, April 19th. Pretty big slate here. Uh, we'll give you some of our favorite plays a little little quicker than normal. And then we're going to come back, uh, get some recap of recent games, get to the MVP race a little bit, uh, which has been definitely heating up, and then uh, talk about the Central Division a little bit. Before that, let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. Today's episode of the NBA Gambling Podcast is brought to you by WinBet. WinBet is bringing you the action of real sports betting with the Win Las Vegas experience. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, and sports games. There are generous odds, promos, and parlays happening right now at WinBet. So get started today, and you'll receive a special offer of up to $500 risk-free sports bet. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at winbet.com. That's W-Y-N-N-Bet.com. And download the app today. Okay, coming back off the break, we're going to get into some of our favorite plays for tonight, Monday, April 19th. Munaf, let's start with you. You are the man in Vegas. Um, You know, not sure where you're betting these games. Definitely win bet if if you are able to. Um, But what is your favorite play for this uh, Monday night slate here? Yeah, I was uh, circling the Boston Celtics here tonight. Um, but again, I want to check the injury report before I do uh, play this game. Currently seeing this line at, I think, I believe six. Yes. I believe it opened up at five and a half. But, and this is Chicago uh, at Boston. Yeah, Chicago Bulls at the Boston Celtics. Listen, you know, we, we're I think we're kind of starting to see Boston be that team that we're kind of expecting them to be. 
or what we were, what their expectation was before the before the season started. You know, they got to the Eastern Conference Finals last year. As we've mentioned, they've won, what, six in a row here. The game against the Golden State Warriors, I mean, you know, I was able to watch that here in Vegas and just an incredible game between Jason Tatum and and uh, Golden, uh, sorry, uh, Steph Curry going back and forth. Both guys dropped 40-plus points, but you take a look at their last six wins against the New York Knicks, one of the better defenses in the league. They absolutely crushed the Minnesota Timberwolves to beat Denver, Portland Lakers, and then Golden State. So they're starting to win the games that we're kind of expecting them to win. And I think that should continue tonight for the Chicago against the Chicago Bulls. Uh, but be sure to check that injury report um, because I think I last saw, I saw was an alert on my phone that said Jason Tatum is probable tonight. And the one guy that you want to keep an eye on is going to be Jalen Brown. He's he's fighting some illness, but uh, Zach Levine is out for the Chicago Bulls. He is in the in the health and safety protocols, I believe. Um, so he might be out the next couple games. The only concern I do have is is Tristan Thompson or Robert Williams going to be able to contain Vucevic. And I think if they are able to do that, this should fairly be a easy victory for the Boston Celtics to kind of keep their momentum going and extend that winning streak to seven games. Yeah. Cluttered injury report here for the Celtics. Robert Williams actually out tonight with left knee soreness. Um, Something something to monitor going forward. Kemba and Jalen Brown, both questionable um, with non COVID illness. Um, But, you know, I think they're, Momentum for those guys to play, and yeah, I mean, you look at this matchup for the Celtics coming back home. They've been playing, obviously, like you said, their best basketball of the year. Should be a confident group coming in here tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, without Zach Levine, I think the Bulls could struggle a little bit to score here against Boston, especially with you know Marcus Smart now flying around, um, you know, on defense, not as much shot creation. The Bulls, you know, they mustered up uh, 106 points against this Cavs defense in their in their last game. Um, but this does seem to be, I mean, that's the perimeter talent is just not really there. Once you lose Zach Levine, we're going to touch on this much more when we get to our central division down low. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, you look at who they have creating shots for this team and Kobe white, two of 10 in his last outing, um, you know, bringing Troy Brown, Sato, uh, Denzel Valentine playing a lot more minutes. So things have gotten a little bit, dark quick in Chicago, I will say, um, yeah. lose, losing Zach Levine there. And yeah, with this Boston team, if healthy, um, definitely starting to play, like you said, uh, like a potential fourth best team in the Eastern Conference and someone who I would be very interested to see get into a playoff series with Philly, Milwaukee, or Brooklyn. Um, so yeah, I also like that minus six at home tonight. Also at minus 240, very, very suitable uh, money line parlay leg yeah. um, for tonight. I'm going to go with the Milwaukee Bucks minus two and a half at home to Phoenix here with my, with my favorite play of today. This Milwaukee team kind of been up and down, just got punched in the mouth really by that Grizzlies team in a very surprising uh, 13 point home loss. Prior to that, they've been waking up a little bit, but you know, took a tough punch from Memphis, obviously getting back healthy. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's just a good spot for them at home you know, I, I still do consider them the superior team to Phoenix. Um, Phoenix, obviously, continuing their push up the Western Conference standings, but I do think this is a good get-right, short home home favorite spot for the Bucks. Phoenix coming in off a loss um, to the Spurs, and and I, I think you know now flying into Milwaukee for one of the biggest games of the night. I think it's a good spot for the Bucks here. 
Yeah, I mean, that, I think that was my next second play that I I did like. You know, we we talk okay. about how um, Milwaukee is is better team at home versus what their what their numbers are on the road, right? Seventeen to nine against the spread overall. I'm sorry, seventeen to nine to the over in, in at home. They're thirteen and eleven as a home favorite. So you know they're they're above five hundred, which which you know I don't hate. Um, and again, like you mentioned, everything right now, I completely hundred percent agree with. Um, I wanted to also kind of quickly go over this Utah and Lakers game tonight. Um, I still feel like I think Donovan Mitchell is going to be out for this game. You know, we saw him tweak an angle over the weekend. Yep. Um, but I'm not sure it's still that they should be favored by what well, what do you see a line at jazz minus seven game. at the Lakers. Yeah. I mean, it, I, I, we've talked about earlier in the season, how these mini series have kind of be splitting against the spread, but this Lakers team is, they're still battling, right? They got the victory in overtime against, against the uh, jazz on Saturday. They won that game by 12. Um, but you know, this Lakers team, I, I feel like they're, they're still battling and um, you know, playoff positioning is, is trying to kind of start starting to be on their minds. If they win, if they win tonight, you know, they could probably get a little small winning streak going here. Uh, and kind of building that momentum. Say you don't. We don't know when Anthony Davis is going to be back. We saw. Uh, I saw a video on Twitter that he was warming up against the Utah Jazz and kind of getting some on court activities in. So it could be any day now that he's back. Um, I believe Rudy Gobert should be back tonight for. Um, yeah, he's probable tonight. Yeah. So uh, I mean, I still feel like it's a lot of points for this team. There's something about the Lakers that they're still battling with guys like Schroeder and Harrell and, and, you know, Drummond had a big game for them. So I'm going to take the home dog also with the Lakers here tonight with a plus six and a half. Yeah. I like that pick. And, you know, it's definitely just super impressive what the Lakers have been doing right now. I mean, to be five and five in their last 10, I mean, this seven game road trip, they went on now they're back home, but I think a lot of people expected them to fall off and, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe fall down the standings, us included. We were, we were kind of falling into that boat as well. And, you know, for them to stay afloat, I think this is kind of working out for them perfectly now if they do stay in this five spot, um, which it looks like they probably will, you know, two and a half games up on the Blazers who are, you know, they're four and six in their last 10 games. The Mavericks are also struggling as well. Um, And so it looks like they'll just be able to sit comfortably in that five spot, play the Nuggets without Jamal Murray in the first round, and then I know they're not going to be afraid of the Utah Jazz in the second round if that's that's the matchup in the 5-1. So, Mm-hmm. You know, to avoid Phoenix and the Clippers, um, stay on the opposite side of the bracket. Obviously, that's great for viewers because we can hopefully get that uh, Lakers-Clippers battle in the Western Conference Finals. But, yeah, just very, very impressive job by the Los Angeles Lakers to, you know, this might be this might be one of the best, I guess, uh, cultures that LeBron's been a part of in, right. in his career. I, I really do think this, this Lakers team has a lot of toughness um, mm-hmm. to them and for them to be kind of in this position that they're in. Right now, it speaks a lot to Frank Vogel, LeBron, and, you know, the other vets that are in that building and kind of what they've built. Yeah, I mean, you know, like we said before, I don't think it matters where this Lakers team ends up because if you get a healthy LeBron and Anthony Davis back, I think that they they have a chance against any team of the Western Conference, you know, defending defending NBA champions. Um, So, you know, I think they do want to end up as – so, you know, a top four, top five seed here. But I think they will accomplish that because they are going to get their stars back here. But, you know, I mean, like you said, 
they've been riding the course here without their two main superstars. And, um, you know, hopefully we get Anthony Davis back here this week and, and, you know, the Lakers are starting to look and hopefully they can start looking like the Lakers again. Agreed. I will go for my next pick with the Memphis Grizzlies plus seven and a half at Denver. Um, Definitely feels like a lot of points for a Memphis team that, you know, is, it's just remarkable to me, you know, how good this team is playing. Um, you know, they continue to win games 29 and 26 on the year, despite like the talent on this roster. You read out the names, not that impressive. Um, in their last four games, three and one with the one loss to Dallas being that crazy Luca shot with the Grayson mm-hmm. Allen missed free throws. I mean, they had that game in the bag. You know, go to Chicago, win by 11, go to Milwaukee, win by 13. Um, you know, Ja is just obviously looking amazing. Now, not for tonight, but big picture, Jaron Jackson Jr. upgraded to doubtful on the injury report. I thought that was interesting, yeah. um, suggesting he could be inching closer to a return. Dylan Brooks is questionable for tonight. Jonas Valanciunas also is out tonight. Um, and that kind of explains why this number is up at seven and a half. But yeah. the Grizzlies have been a team that's been focusing on their depth all year. Um They have a ton of bodies they can throw in there. And for this Denver team, I mean, they haven't really been stress tested since losing Jamal Murray. I mean, right. they, they play Miami in a game where, the, you know, the Heat were kind of in, they were kind of wallowing a little bit. Jimmy, that was right before Jimmy Butler ended up calling out his team. Um, and, you know, they win that game by 17. That's kind of your, you know, Jokic response game. They did play really well in that game. And then they play Houston. Um, and obviously we talked about how Houston is our daily fadeaway. They put up 128 in that game. Yep. And, to me, with this Denver team, I just I, I think they, they need to prove it a little bit more without Jamal Murray before they can be, you know, a seven and a half point favorite here to another team that's playing well. Another another Western Conference playoff team was going to come in and, you know, think they can beat this Denver team. So I do think it's it's a good spot for Memphis. They're playing confident and, you know, it's just a big number. You know, I, I don't necessarily yeah. think they're going to win, but definitely hang around and make this a close game. So I'll go with Memphis plus the seven and a half um, as my as my second pick. Do you have any, yeah, but, you go ahead. No, I was just going to go off of what you were saying. I think, yeah, I think that you hit the nail on the head that this team really hasn't been battle tested without Jamal Murray, right? They played the Rockets, obviously one of the worst teams in the league. And then they took on Miami that was on, I think there was the last game of their road trip where they're kind of, you know, yeah. you kind of want to look at fading a team that's on that kind of that last game of that road trip that they're tired, have tired legs and just kind of want to get back home in their own beds. And I think, I think tonight's going to be a good test for, uh, for the Denver Nuggets, post Jamal Murray, you know, or torn ACL injury on where this kind of team is at when they're faced with some adversity. Obviously you mentioned the two injury, the couple injuries that the, um, uh, the Memphis Grizzlies have, but hopefully if they can get a guy like, you know, Brandon Clark in there or, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, triple J is not able to go tonight, but maybe in the future, this is a team on Memphis that they kind of want to bet on because they do have their eyes on a playoff spot or in that, at least into that play in tournament where they can compete and kind of show what this team is about. And John Morant's been playing great basketball. And I think he's, you know, he's going to have a big game here tonight. So possibly take a look at some of his player props, but because I don't think Compazzo can stay in front of this guy, whether he's guarding him or if it's going to be Will Barton, because he's, he's starting to play, uh, he's starting to play some basketball. Yeah, and also Monte Morris is out for the Denver Nuggets. I didn't even see that. He's out with a right yeah, hamstring strain, and he's been bothered by a hamstring all year. So that's definitely something to monitor long-term in Denver. He's been their starting point guard. So, you know, that adds now Compazzo, Dozier, 
are the two main guard options. So, yeah, I like that seven and a half for Memphis a lot. Um, and, you know, Xavier Tillman is another guy I want to shout out. He played really well in that game against Milwaukee, seven of 10 for 15 points um, in that game. Looks to have a bigger role tonight. Munaf, any other plays on tonight's slate? Um, I'm going to stay with the daily fadeaway that we had uh, last week with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Now they're going up against uh, uh, sorry, Washington Wizards here tonight. We know what their offense is capable of, especially with what Russell Westbrook has been doing over these past couple weeks. Um, you kind of take a look. They're on now. I think it's above almost 10 game on a 10 game losing streak here. And they played Toronto, who were missing Pascal Siakam. I think Kyle Lowry was out for that game also. Yeah. Um, and they still gave up 112 to the to the to the Raptors. And um, you know. Washington does have everybody playing tonight. Again, going back to Russell Westbrook, I would continue to keep playing his points, rebounds, and assists. I mean, what this guy is doing is something we're like we're used to now, right? It's like almost going to check the box score after the Wizards game is over and seeing if he put up a 20-20-20 triple-double that night. But, um, you know, I'll I'll take the Washington Wizards uh, team total over the – I believe it's at 121 right now. Um, Let me see. Yeah, 122 yeah. now. So uh, lines moved a little bit, but you know I'm going to continue fading this Oklahoma City Thunder team. Yeah, there must be some uh, Zoom employees listening to our podcast live and then uh, <laughs> betting betting into these numbers. Uh, no, I, I like Getting that play. I like that play as well. Keep alive the daily fadeaway, and we also have that uh, 113 on that Heat team total too, which I will also go over against the yeah. Rockets. Anything else for tonight's yep. slate, Muna? Uh, no, I think that was about it. I think some of the games are kind of stinkers. Uh, I mean, we do have a battle between the uh, the Curry brothers tonight. I don't know if uh, Steph is going to play because he did have that ankle injury or he had a little tweak um, against the stick. So, you know, maybe if he does play, I mean, what Steph Curry's been doing over this past, you know, 10 games, it's just incredible. I mean, again, another team that we're kind of talking about that kind of wants to make that playoff push and at least get into the playoff, you know, play in tournament. And, you know, if you have Steph Curry, a healthy Steph Curry, you always have a chance, right? So, um, you know, that would be, I think, if Curry's able to go, that would be a fun game to keep an eye on tonight. But I don't have a play in that game. I just want to quickly mention that. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, let's now turn. We're gonna get to a little bit of a weekend recap, kind of, kind of catch up on what we what we've missed since our last show. Um, let's start there with Steph Curry and how good he's been playing. I mean, what do you kind of make of the ceiling of this Warriors team when Steph is playing like that, and um, you know the potential for them to kind of make some noise in the play-in slash playoff? Because I mean, these numbers are absolutely absurd. I think he's averaging what like thirty-seven a game in his last ten games, something like that making a ridiculous yeah. amount of three-pointers um, and obviously just putting on a show on a nightly basis. So, you know, thoughts on on kind of Steph and if he's playing this well, what the Warriors can be. Yeah, I mean, you take a look at what, right, 39.9, and um, he's shooting the ball incredibly from the three-point, you know, three-point land. Um, he's hit... 10 or more threes in three out of his last four games. It's insane. I mean, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, like we grew up like watching like Jordan and Kobe and, and, you know, those players. And we didn't really see this many three pointers being shot in a game or made by a player. I mean, you had spurts where, you know, a guy would hit seven or eight three pointers in a game. But when a guy like Steph Curry is doing this consistently every single night and, 
in my eyes is probably is the best three point shooter or pure shooter that we've seen in the game. And, you know, he talked about it that, you know, he's just, he's just in the zone and he's playing well. Um, the question now for me, for the Warriors as a whole is who's going to be that guy that helps Steph Curry out if they're going to make a playoff push, you know, is, is that going to be it? I think it has to be Andrew Wiggins because the responsibility that Draymond Green has of facilitating the offense and, you know, getting the guys in the right spots and, and, you know, finding Curry in those open, you know, open three point shots. It's what he's about. Hopefully they're able to get Kelly Oubre back. But another guy that I did want to shout out on this rock, sorry, the Warriors team is Jordan Poole. Um, Yeah. I mean, he's been playing incredible too, right? Like, filling in for those minutes where Kelly Oubre has been kind of absent. It, they don't need a guy to drop 20, 25 points a night. No, Steph Curry's already doing that. But when you have a guy like Jordan Poole that's kind of coming off your bench over his last three games, 12 points, 14 points, 17 points. He had a, a tough shooting night against Denver, but prior to that against the Rockets, he dropped 21 points. So if this is a guy that's going to get into their rotation and kind of help the second unit and score points while Steph Curry's kind of getting that that rest. That's another guy to keep an eye on for for this for this Golden State Warriors team. Again, I don't think that for the Warriors they're going to make it past the first round if they get into the playoffs. But I think you know getting into the playoffs is something that the Warriors um, Warriors are are that that they can achieve here for the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, so you look at where they're at right now. They are in the nine spot, so that would be good enough for the play-in game. Tied with the Spurs for the nine. Two games behind Memphis, who's in the eight. Two and a half behind Dallas, who's in the seven. So, you know, they're kind of right in that play-in picture. You know, there's a, there's a lot to say. I mean, with Steph, I feel like this is kind of what we've been waiting for from him for his entire career because I think people look at him as this kind of like soft superstar because he's played in this system and, you know, a lot of never, never really been this high usage guy who's going to be, you know, running 50 pick and rolls a game. He's not your Trey young, right? He does it a little bit differently. And I think what we're seeing part of that is Steve Kerr's system, which prioritizes all this off ball movement and having the ball in Draymond green's hand with Stephen clay moving. I mean, that's kind of, that's changed the way Steph has played. So he's not that same type of alpha ball handler that we see in other systems. I think right mm-hmm. now you're seeing Steph say, get me the fucking ball. I'm going to be a top five player in the world. You know, I'm going to go take all these shots and, and be kind of that dude with the ball in his hands dribbling. Mm-hmm. I mean, something these like dribble moves where he hits you with like 10 tweens and a behind the back yeah. and then just like step back to his left. I mean, he had Peyton Pritchard a couple of times. He had Marcus smart a couple of times in that last game. And yeah, Jordan Poole definitely helping solve some of their issues, which is really how do we score with Steph Curry off the floor, which you mentioned getting that second unit, right. Um, You know, Steph can do so much. I think what's kind of sad about this golden state team right now is taking James Wiseman out of the rotation, I think has been good for them, which definitely, I mean, they've started to play their best basketball of the year, arguably since he's gone down with that season ending meniscus injury. Um, Mm-hmm. Kelly Oubre, another guy has been out of the lineup. I think he can help uh, when he's playing well. But I do, I do like uh, you know guys like Bazemore and Toscano Anderson who are so bought into their role. Just and obviously Toscano Anderson yeah. had that crazy hustle play where he ended up, I think, with a yeah. concussion or something. But you know, I think mm-hmm. for the Warriors, yeah, it's kind of just about treading water for now and kind of you know five and five in their last ten and they're right around 500 if they get in the play and obviously no one's going to want to see them um i I would probably pick them in a game in a a one game over memphis i mean 
that would be interesting. I think everyone would probably take the Warriors there. So maybe, maybe I mean, Memphis might be the better team. They probably are the better team, but wouldn't have the best player in that series. So very, very interesting with Golden State. Um, just a fun team to watch when Steph is playing like this. And, you know, we're going to talk about the MVP conversation in a little bit. And, you know, I don't know if he's fully going to get to that level for a team that's in the nine seed, but um, yeah. definitely making some making some noise. Yeah, I mean, you take a look over the last seven games for the uh, Golden State Warriors, right? Five and two straight up, five and two against the spread. So, um, you know, they've they've when they're winning, they're they're covering games, and when they're not, they're you know when they're losing, they're not covering games. So, uh, I think that's interesting because you know a lot of times we talked about if a team is losing, you know, they're they're kind of covering that number, but um, you know, kind of going back to April sixth against their victory over Milwaukee. Since then, they've they're four and two. Um, in in those uh, six games, and they're four and two against the spread. So, um, irrespective of what the spread is for for the um, for the Warriors, if you think they're going to win that game, you know, just go ahead and take the points because of what the way Steph Curry's playing. These guys are putting up the points and they're covering the games. And, and you know, as far as the total, they're kind of splitting right there. They're about three and four in their last seven games. Sorry, four and three to the over in their last seven games. They're alternating between the over and the under. So. Um, definitely keep an eye out for Steph Curry tonight. I don't, if he's not able to go, uh, I, I think the Sixers should, you know, should crush them without having pretty much a guy that's dropping 40 points a night for you. Mm-hmm. Who's going to kind of fill that void, especially with Ubre still out and, and, um, you know, a guy like Steph Curry that, you know, I mean, he's doing what he's doing. Uh, that'll be hard for the Warriors to kind of keep up with the Sixers here tonight. Yes, sir. Uh, Let's take a quick break here to hear from some of our sponsors. Today's episode of the NBA Gambling Podcast is brought to you by BetterThan.Vegas. Better Than Vegas, it's like YouTube, but for what hashtag Digins only care about, and that's sports betting. We're giving out free daily video picks over on our Better Than Vegas profile page. And Better Than Vegas is always running a ton of free contests as well with a ton of free picks and handicappers for you to go check out. So make sure to subscribe to our profile so you don't miss a pick at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. All right, coming back off the break, I will also raise uh, you know a team that they could potentially play, the Warriors potentially play in the first round. Donovan Mitchell um, had a nasty ankle turn. I think that was uh, Friday. Yeah. Uh, in, in a day mm-hmm. game, I was kind of surprised to see that. <laughs> they had a day game against Pacers on Friday. Um, yeah. But yeah, that Donovan Mitchell injury, he's supposed to be out for several games, with, which is a, a, a pretty nasty turn. And I want to you know, look at the standings here. They're only a game and a half up on Phoenix um, in the Western Conference standings. So, you know, how do you kind of interpret that that Mitchell injury? And do you downgrade the Jazz enough? I, I know you're fading them tonight with the Lakers at, at home. Yeah, I mean, I, I think certainly if they're playing a team, you know, let me try to pull up their schedule here real quick. I mean, if they're playing a team that, you know, is one of the worst in the league or it's kind of in tank mode, obviously I think the Utah Jazz have enough to take care of those games, right? They have the Lakers tonight and their schedule is, again, like we mentioned, they had one of the easiest schedules for the remaining of the season. They have the Lakers tonight and after that they play the Rockets, Minnesota twice, Sacramento, and then they have the Phoenix Suns and then again Toronto, San Antonio twice, so... After tonight, the schedule kind of eases up for them. So it'll be interesting to see when Donovan Mitchell comes back. Is it going to be a week? Is it going to be, you know, a week and a half, two weeks? Because they do have some easy opponents coming up where I think there's enough on this team with Mike Conley, Joe Ingles, 
um, you know, Rudy Gobert, obviously. And then you have your, your depth players with Royce O'Neal and Jordan, Jordan Clarkson, what he's been able to do this season. So they have enough there to take care of those games against some of these teams. But, um, you know, you, you hate to see these injuries that are happening because of maybe <laughs> the amount of games these guys are playing. You know, like you mentioned, it was a Friday afternoon game um, for the Utah Jazz. But, you know, I think, like I said, going back that they right now have enough. But I think, though, now the kind of the window or the door has kind of cracked open for both, I think, the – uh, Phoenix Suns and the uh, Los Angeles uh, Clippers to kind of get to that one seed. You take a look, one and a half games for the Phoenix Suns. They play Milwaukee tonight, and then the the, the Clippers are three games back. They got a big victory over the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves last night. So now I think we're kind of starting to see in both of the conferences is that that top three seeds in each of those conferences is going to be a battle between, you know, the Sixers and the Nets and the Bucks, the Eastern conference. And then in the West, the jazz, the Suns and the Clippers. So, um, you know, I think the advantage, like I said, was for the Utah jazz that they have the scheduling advantage because they have one of the easiest schedules. Um, but I think they have enough to kind of take care of business in, within the next four to five games until they get Donovan Mitchell back. Yeah. And I, I think the kind of the also, you were also getting to that point in the season where there's the jockeying for matchups. And mm-hmm. if I'm out West and the Lakers, you know, as we said, are kind of hanging out in that four or five matchup, yeah. I would probably rather be on the Clippers side of the bracket. Right. So if, if I'm Utah, I'm not necessarily that upset about um, falling to the two. Mm-hmm. And if I'm Phoenix, I'm not necessarily eager to get up there either. I mean, I, I think the Clippers are really good. Yeah. Probably would still rather be on their side of the bracket uh, than the Lakers. And that, that kind of will be, a, a developing story kind of as we go forward. It's at one and a half right now. Um, you know, and, and it, I think it'll be interesting to see kind of what happens there. Do teams prioritize rest, you know, in, in air quotes to try to kind of vo- avoid certain matchups um, will be interesting. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I think with the, with, with the East, it's a little bit less of that just because um, the only really, there's only really three teams that you're kind of afraid of playing. Um, I also had, a, had an interesting stat kind of going back to uh, what you mentioned oh. about the schedule with the injuries. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's, it was a stat that Jamal Murray, Jimmy Butler, Anthony Davis, and LeBron James all played the most minutes in the bubble last year. Mm-hmm. All four of those players will have missed um, considerable amounts of time this year due to lower body injuries. Um, and I think that's definitely something for the NBA kind of not necessarily a cloud hovering over the season because it hasn't been that bad with injuries yet, but mm-hmm. we we mentioned, I mean, this schedule is getting uh, pretty ridiculous with how many games and how many nights these guys are being asked to play. Yeah, I mean, there was rumblings over the weekend now, you know, some of the GMs were kind of complaining how much of a toll it's taking yeah. on the bodies of, of you know, their, their star athletes. And, you know, unfortunately, we're seeing, you know, Jamal, like we mentioned, Jamal, uh, Murray going down with that injury. Now, was it related to the amount of games that they're playing? I mean, we're not sure. But then we kind of take a look at the Donovan Mitchell injury and then, you know, Steph Curry turning his ankle. Hopefully it wasn't too serious for him because he was able to finish that game. And then you had LeBron who had that ankle injury. And then we Anthony Davis has been out and now Kevin Durant. So, and then again, James Harden too. So, you know, some of the best players in the league yeah. are suffering some of these of these injuries. Now, to what extent are they kind of milking these injuries for them yeah. to kind of have, get that extra rest? We're not sure, but, but again, 
you know, it, once I think once we kind of wind out the season, it's kind of getting into the dog days of the NBA season that we're kind of winding it down. Um, but what we once we get into the playoffs and these guys are healthy, it's it's going to be a lot of fun and great basketball to watch with some of the best players, NBA players and basketball players in the world. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's a great point. I mean, if I'm LeBron James, I feel no need to come back. I mean, you're not you're not going to probably realistically get up to the three seed to kind of change like the you know, you're not going to chase down the Clippers. So you're probably going to be yeah. facing the Nuggets regardless. I think they're very confident going into that matchup without Jamal Murray. So if you're LeBron, I mean, you can take your time. Um, as long as you don't fall below Portland and have to play the Clippers in the first round, then obviously you would right. um, rush to come back. And yeah, just like you said, I mean, checking the injury report is vital um, at the, this part in the season. A lot of teams, yeah. re- you know, resting guys and, you know, a lot of tanking absences and little knickknack injuries that are going to cost some guys some games. So, mm-hmm. you know, definitely check out whatever your source is for injury reports. Uh, definitely get those. Um, kind of a, you know, we're, we're touching a lot of different topics today across the NBA. We want to tune into the uh, MVP award a little bit. Um, I don't know if you saw there was a podcast making the wave around kind of NBA social media where Brian Windhorse and Tim Bontemps, I guess, got very, very heated at each other. And Bontemps called a windy a jackass on on, a, on an ESPN pod. Um oh. Oh, no, I need to find that. Find yeah. it. If I have a leak, send that to me. I want to see uh, that. <laughs> yeah, I'll send you a link. Like they, I, it was one of the most intense, you know, podcast beef moments I, I can remember hearing. Uh, and it seems like people are not really excited about voting for Nicole Jokic for MVP, or at least that there's kind of this like people are more so begrudgingly accepting that he's the MVP because he's you know played the most games, but they would really rather vote for Embiid or, or someone else. Um, yeah. Where you And I, I'm seeing right now Jokic up to minus 325 for the MVP, and that kind of matches with you know what where things seem to be going. But what are your kind of thoughts on the MVP landscape right now, and uh, do you see anybody but Jokic having a chance to get in there and steal it late? You know, right now I just, I just think it's down to a two-man – two-man race for that MVP, and it is obviously the Joker and Joel Embiid. I, 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 I'm going to try not to be biased because I do have a, a future ticket on Embiid to win the MVP. Okay. Um, Full disclosure. But <laughs> yeah, so, you know, so I may sound a little biased towards, um, towards Joel Embiid, but I, I think for the Denver Nuggets, I think the remaining, what, 15 games here, 16 games where they have left, is kind of going to be indicative of where the voters or or as betters and and people think that should Jokic be the MVP. I I am saying that if that, if they kind of fall below that four seed right now, they're in the four seed, but if they fall down to maybe the five, six seed, or possibly maybe the seventh seed, um, would you, if you were an MVP voter, would you vote for Jokic to, be the MVP at that point. It, let's just say they finish as a six seed because they don't have Jamal Murray and they start losing some of these games. They finish as a six seed and, and Jokic finishes with the stats that he currently has and he kind of trends the course, but they finish as a six seed. Would you vote for Joel, uh, sorry, for Jokic to be MVP? I would. I mean, first of all, I think, you know, with this four game cushion over Portland, I don't really see that happening, but more so, I mean, I, I think, Jokic has been, in my opinion, the best offensive player in the NBA this year. I think offense is more important than defense. And I think, you know, what, what where Embiid kind of makes it up, I guess, is this like 
per game defensive value as a center. I, I don't see it. I think Jokic has been better this year and obviously more consistent and more available. Um, so, you know, I, I, you know, I do think with the Sixers getting the one seed and Embiid hasn't missed that many games. I think it's been what, like 15, 16 games this year um, that yeah. he's missed. Let me see. Um, uh, I'll pull it up. Yeah. Pull that up. I mean, you know, Denver, they're only three games behind the Sixers. So I, I do think, you know, that one seed versus four seed argument, um, you know, if the Nuggets were in the East, they'd be right there in the three seed, you know, three games back. So for me, I think Jokic has, has, has earned it, mm-hmm. um, been the best offensive player in my opinion, like, like I said. Um, but yeah, I mean, I definitely, I feel like people are kind of not that excited about it. And, and, you know, he's my favorite player. So I obviously wanted to, uh, to, you know, take the chance to back him. I don't really, I had a Kawhi Leonard, um, ticket and I, I still think he has been really good this year. So, you know, he's obviously not in the picture anymore, like you said. So, you know, for Embiid, don't want to take away anything anything he's done, but um, I still think it's Jokic. But um, it's very interesting. I mean, I I feel like the MVP award ever since Russ kind of had that triple double season, it's always been a little bit weird. And you know, mm-hmm. do you factor in last year's playoffs into this year's MVP? And you know, how much how much do we factor in availability and winning? It's it's very the MVP award is not never one that I followed that closely, but. Um, very controversial, it seems. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this year it's been like weird, been, right? Weird, right? Like pre LeBron injury, it seemed like that it was between Embiid and um, LeBron, and then Embiid went down with his injury, and then LeBron went down with his injury. So that kind of opened the door for a guy like Joker, and and I mean, at that point where those two guys were down, like he was kind of the only viable option. Yeah, or betting choice or or the voter choice because of the numbers that he's putting up um you know i'm quickly trying to you know just kind of compare their stats here uh so mb has only he's played 38 of the 56 games that the sixers have played so far let's just so let's just assume that you know he's able to play 13 of the remaining 16 games for them putting him around 51 of the 72 games um, and then, you know, obviously I think Jokic has played every single game so far this season for the, uh, for the, um, for the Denver Nuggets, he's played 56 games. So, you know, I mean, we take a look at their season stats, right? So Embiid is averaging 30 points, 11 rebounds, and I think about two to three assists. And then you take a look at Jokic on the season, he's averaging 26 points, 11 rebounds and 8.8 assists player efficiency rating. Let me see if I can quickly pull that up for him. But I think these guys, both of these guys are number one and number two in player efficiency rating. Yeah, they are. And it'll come, I think it'll just come down to, I think it'll just end up, you know, coming down to the voters. I mean, do they want to vote for Jokic who, you know, will finish probably as a top four seed in the season and carried the Denver Nuggets all season with all the injuries that they battled or is it, you know, in their minds for the voters is going to be a Philadelphia 76ers team that finished as a one seed in the East. But in their minds, is it going to be that did Joel Embiid play enough games to earn that award? Um, I think, I think as the betting market kind of dictates on, you know, what's going to happen, Jokic is obviously the overwhelming favorite right now. Yep. But I think it'll probably take Joel Embiid to put up Steph Curry numbers for him to 
kind of even that playing field, if that kind of makes sense. No, I agree. I think a, like a 10 game winning streak where Embiid is averaging like 33 and 15 or whatever. I think that, that could obviously do it. Um, let's take a quick break here and then we're going to come back and get to the uh, divisional down low for the central division in the Eastern Conference. Today's episode of the NBA Gambling Podcast is brought to you by Riffer. The Sports Gambling Podcast and the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is now on Riffer. Riffer is your home for mini episodes and free picks from the SGPN crew. When you don't have time to listen to an entire podcast episode, Riffer is the perfect quick fix. Make sure to subscribe to the SGPN page by going to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Riffer. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash R-I-F-F-R, sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Riffer. Okay, coming back off the break here, we're going to wrap up today's show by taking you through the central division, kind of where all these teams are at and looking ahead to the playoffs or the offseason. Let's start with the Milwaukee Bucks right at the top of this division. The Milwaukee Bucks are 25 and 31 against the spread this season. Haven't been quite the regular season machine that we've seen them be in the past. Likely they will go under their win total, I believe, almost certainly for this year. Fifth in net rating since the All-Star break. Get Giannis back from yeah, that knee soreness that was bothering him. Munaf, where are you at with this Bucks team going into the playoffs? Likely will have to face this Brooklyn Nets team in the second round. I mean, Milwaukee, I think they have been a regular season team in the past. That's kind of built up expectations that they failed to meet in the playoffs this season, flying a little bit more under the radar. People seem to have turned on them a little bit um, kind of now that they've let us down in the playoffs a couple of times. So where are you at with the Bucks? And do you think they have a chance to, you know, make it to the finals this year for the first time in Giannis's uh, tenure there. Yeah. I mean, I haven't been a Milwaukee Bucks supporter over this past, you know, the last two seasons or, you know, when they've, you know, kind of made a run in the, in the Eastern conference as being a number one seed and, and being a great team again. I'm, I know you're high on the Bucks, but I just, I don't feel like, that your superstar player has to have at least somewhat of a jump shot to 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 win games, especially in the playoffs, right? Because right now for Giannis, I mean, it's kind of easy for we we talked about this prior was they surround yeah they got Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton's there, and they picked up PJ Tucker, and they have some shooters. But last year we saw that teams were putting kind of this wall in the paint and making somebody else beat. You know somebody else on the Bucks beat them, and and, and it worked, right? Um, so just kind of going off of that, I mean, yeah, they're having a great season again, but uh, you know, uh, according to our win totals expectation, it's not going to be in the mind. It's not going to be what we expected all season, what this team could be. Yep. Obviously, with the acquisition of Drew Holiday, and you know, like the guys that they have on this team, I, I think it's going to be a second round exit for. For for the Milwaukee Bucks, if they do have to take on the Brooklyn Nets in the second round, because I, I'm I don't know I'm I'm really high on the Brooklyn Nets number one because of the three best players that they have or their three players on their team. Uh, we kind of talked about how you know who's going to stop if these two teams match up. Okay, if you're going to put a Middleton on uh, Harden or or Durant or you know Giannis on Durant, you still have another guy that's going to be able to go out and maybe drop thirty to thirty five points a night and will that team to victory. And they have also the surrounding shooters on the Brooklyn Nets. But kind of going back to this Milwaukee Bucks team, I personally feel that it's going to be a, a second round exit for this team because you're going to need somebody outside of Giannis 
and Chris Middleton to kind of help them to beat a team like the Brooklyn Nets. So Dante DiVincenzo, Pat Cunnington, um, Breen Forbes, I think those three guys are going to have to, and, and Bobby Portis throw his name in there also. I think those three guys are going to have to put up number one. They're going to have to make shots between those three guys. And then, I mean, how, how many points are this, those guys going to have to combine to really take that pressure off of Giannis and Chris Middleton? Because a lot of times when I'm looking at a team in the playoffs is, what is a supporting cast going to do to help your superstar players? And I just don't see it for the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, I will say with the Bucks, I mean, Drew Holiday has been playing a lot better recently, kind of got off to a slower start to his uh, tenure in Milwaukee. Last 10 games for Drew, averaging 21 points, almost seven assists, five rebounds. And obviously he could be that big-time defender for them on the perimeter. You know, what makes the Nets such a formidable challenge is they have all three of those guys, right? So, you know, Drew, I think Drew can do a good job on James or Kyrie, but, you know, key word there is or because you, you can't put them on both of those guys. You know, for the Bucks, since the All-Star break, um, they are 10th in offense, uh, so not really at that like phenomenal offense they've been in the past. Sixth in defense, I think that is, you know, they, they, they can get it done on that end. From an X's and O's perspective, I've, you know, been reading they're trying to experiment with different, you know, personnel and different uh, pick-and-roll defense tactics. Are they switching? Are they not switching? Kind of prepare for the playoffs, and that's kind of been a new philosophy for them. Mm. You know, when I look at this Bucks team, I think my biggest question for them is kind of where are they at? in terms of their mental edge and their competitive edge. I mean, they got they got embarrassed by Jimmy Butler last year and Bam Adebayo and those guys. I mean, they completely took it to the Bucks, and yeah. the Bucks didn't really have anything to fight back. You know, they didn't really show any type of, you know, tenacity or anything like that. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing kind of what they do in the playoffs this year. I think P.J. Tucker was a great addition for them. I think he's a really, really good playoff guy. Yeah. You know, he can play, he can be that stout defender against Embiid um, if, they, if they need, if they, if they end up needing that. I mean, they're probably not going to end up facing him, but um, that was a good pickup and that allows you kind of close games with a little bit more of a space floor because he can just kind of camp out in the perimeter, allow Giannis to drive. But yeah, like you said, it's going to come down to Giannis. What kind of offensive player is he going to be in the playoffs this year? It's It's very... It's, you know, it's concerning. He still has this jumper has not come along. The free throws have been inconsistent. He's been better as of late, but that's still another concern for them. So, you know, for the Bucks team, I, I do think that they will be able to push Brooklyn, but I don't know if they have enough to get over the hump. But very, very fascinating. And, and you know, it's been a been a quiet season for them so far. I think that's probably how they like it. Uh, a little bit less less in the spotlight. So they'll obviously be under under the bright lights uh, come playoff time. Let's go to uh Indiana. Do you have any, anything else on Milwaukee? No, I just feel like like I think over the last two seasons, like like the like fans and and maybe even like you know the media were kind of uh, you know Giannis out you know because he won MVP yes. and and you know we talked about Milwaukee Bucks so much over the last two seasons that you know as a number one seed and and they're kind of playoff disappointments but kind of to wrap it up for the Milwaukee Bucks I, I think um, I think the effort's going to have to be on what they do on the defensive side because we know what this team is kind of capable of in the regular season on offense. You know, they went out and got the defensive guys with Drew Holiday and P.J. Tucker. So I think in the playoffs, it's going to be the focus on defense for for the for the Milwaukee Bucks. And then, you know, we know what they can do on offense and the, the shooters that they have on this team. Yes, sir. Uh, let's turn to the Indiana Pacers here. 23 and 33 against the spread on the season. Been one of those teams that, you know, I feel like they're pro no, it's kind of hard to know. Do you move off their prior or not? 
obviously they were picked to probably be, you know, fifth or sixth in the Eastern Conference, haven't been that team. Um, 19th in net rating since the All-Star break, 26 and 30 on the season. Um, and they are in that nine spot right now in the Eastern Conference. Um, you know, I, I'll start off here. I mean, I, I think you, you look at this team and on the defensive end, 24th in defense since the All-Star break. And, you know, this these lineup combinations that they're putting out there are kind of just untenable on the defensive end, especially having Sabonis out there with Turner. It's just not really much of a normal team, and they're struggling to defend. And um, it's been a tough season in Indiana. I think, you know, Karis LeVert, you bring him in, obviously he has that – you know, it's tough start to his career in Indiana now, kind of trying to figure it out with this new group. So where are you kind of at with this Pacers team? And in terms of, it, you know, they'll probably be in the play-in. I mean, they're obviously right there in the East. It's so packed up. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, only only uh, two games out of the eighth spot uh, and with a three-game lead over Toronto in the play-in. Um, so where are you kind of at with this Indiana team right now? And uh, going forward in the offseason, what do you think of their team? Yeah, I mean, as you know, as far as this season, uh, I really like looking at these last, you know, over the last in-game stats. And I talked about this on our, our prior pod is that they were really starting to, you know, push the pace on on the defense. Oh, sorry, on the offensive side of the basketball, you know, just really off 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 a lot off of a um, off of a missed free throw or off for a missed shot from their opponent. They were just grabbing the rebound, getting it out to one of their guards and just flying down the floor, trying to get an easy bucket. And it was work. That's how the play will work for them in the, um, in the regular season. But is it going to work in the, uh, in the playoffs if they make it in? And I don't think so. Kind of looking at the construction of this roster, um, you know, like you mentioned, Karis Levert and, and I, I think, I don't think Miles Turner will be on this team next year. You know, I'm not sure because of how ball dominant Sabonis is and how effective he he has to have the ball in his hand to be effective on the offensive side of the basketball. Um, where does Miles Turner kind of fit into that that fold in that front court, right? Obviously, Miles Turner, he can get the block shots, but he's not a great defender. You know, he's not quick on his feet. He can kind of knock get out and knock down that three-point shot. But other than that, Going forward for this Indiana Pacers team, I think this backcourt of Malcolm Brogdon and Karis LeVert and Sabonis is a good starting point for them. I know it's the first year of their head coach also, so they're kind of figuring things out there. Um, you know, and then you're also kind of look at a guy that, you know, that they lost for the whole season was TJ Warren. And that's a guy that's a, that's a walking bucket for this team, right? So it's going to be an interesting offseason on what this team wants to do as far as their roster. You know, we talk about, like I said, Malcolm Brogdon and Karis LeVert. Are they part of your future as your starting backcourt? And then what's going to be the status of Miles Turner going into next season? Then you get TJ Warren back, another guy that can, like I said, can get points. And then how do you fill out the rest of this roster? You know, TJ McConnell is just a high energy guy that comes off the bench for them. Doug McDermott, another guy that can knock down, you know, huge three point shots. So um, I think for for the for the Pacers and the offseason is going to really be fighting about who this team is and their identity. Um, again, if this team gets into the play-in tournament, I'm not sure they'll have enough to kind of win a game and, and get into the playoffs. And even if they do, for sure, it'll be a first-round exit for this team. Yeah, I mean, with, they kind of fucked themselves by being so low in the standings, right? Because you're going to get Philly or Brooklyn in the, in the first round, even if you make it in. You know, with Indiana, I kind of I think they have a lot of solid pieces. I think 
like you mentioned, I think it's time to choose between Turner and Sabonis instead of trying to make it work together because it's just kind of untenable right now to have both of them. Um, you know, I think Turner personally would be my pick over Sabonis. I think Sabonis has a lot of good things offensively, more of a floor raiser than a ceiling raiser, though, mm-hmm. um, just because of the way he plays. He can't really space the floor for others. Turner brings you that combination of that rare combination of, you know, good rim protection on defense and floor spacing on offense. So, I do like Turner, and yeah, I like I like Lavert, I like Brogdon, I like TJ Warren, but it's just a question of, you know, so many B plus pieces, and you know, you still need to find that best player, that that big talent swing. So it'll be interesting, kind of which direction they go this off season. Um, similar to Toronto as well. I mean, a team that was kind of on that, you know, middle of the Eastern Conference, tough playoff team schedule now one you know rougher year what do you do do you kind of blow it all up or keep going Mm -hmm. so very interesting uh to see what happens in indiana last point like for indiana you kind of take a look at their record they're 26 and 30 but then their point differential it's like only negative half so i think that's really interesting to see is that you kind of see a team that's you know four games under 500 that the point differential would be a little more you know significant or on you know at least in the red a little more you take a look at you know a team that's four games under 500 the closest ones in the eastern conference they have a bigger point differential but um i think they've lost a lot of close games here and there i think the biggest thing for this team is indiana at home this season nine and 16 at home 17 and 14 on the road so i mean if they played better on at at least at sorry at home they would probably be up there with New York and Miami and Charlotte battling for those playoff positioning. I mean, right now they're only two games out of that eight spot, but you know, again, if they would have won some of these more, um, these more, 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 more games at home, they definitely would be in that playoff picture um, battling for those playoff positions. Yeah. And I, you, you look at their schedule coming up. I mean, it's funny. They haven't been good at home. Like you said, nine and 16, but it looks like they will probably be favored in 10 or 11 of their next 12 games um, mm-hmm. on the schedule. It, it gets nice and easy. I mean, San Antonio home, OKC home, Detroit home, Orlando road, Portland home, Brooklyn home, OKC road, Washington road, Sacramento, Atlanta, and Washington all at home, then go to Cleveland. I mean, they will have no excuse not to go on a little bit of a run here to kind of close out their season. So be interesting to follow that. Let's go to the Chicago Bulls who made that big trade for Vooch um, at the deadline and uh, kind of has fallen a little bit on their face. Definitely, you know, obviously Zach Levine getting COVID uh, definitely uh, kind of fucked Mm -hmm. them up a little bit. 23rd in net rating since the All-Star break. Haven't really been the team we thought they could be with Vooch. Um, They are tied with the Toronto Raptors for ninth place, three games behind Indiana, five games behind Charlotte. So contending for that play-in game, um, you know, with the Bulls, it's tough, right? I mean, it just shows how feeble kind of the NBA can be at, at times. And not that the Vooch trade was all about making the playoffs this year, but to lose Zach Levine, probably not going to make it this year. And then, you know, going forward, you did give up a lot in the treasure chest to go get Vooch. Um, yeah. Kind of in terms of the Bulls, I mean, for this year, I think kind of we know who they are. Once they get Zach Levine back, maybe try to make a push to get into the play-in. But what are your kind of thoughts on the uh, Levine Vooch fit going forward in the next year? And kind of what do you make of this Bulls team? Are they going to make the playoffs next year? Are they, are they a first round team next year? Uh, 
I think for the you know Chicago Bulls, I obviously you take a look at their uh, spread record this season, twenty nine and twenty five overall. I think this this was one of the best you know road uh, spread teams that we've we talked about all season, right? Eighteen and nine on the road against the spread, thirteen and six as a road dog, five and three um, as a road favorite. So we kind of talk about teams that are in any sport is we kind of define how good of a team is, how they perform on the road, and we take a look at the numbers for Chicago. They played well at home. You know, the, the thing for them was, you know, at, at home where they, you know, kind of struggled. Um, you know, going back to the trade with Vucevic, obviously they kind of gave up a lot. But uh, when you bring in a player like that and you have a ball-dominant player like Zach Levine, it's going to take some time to, for them to kind of figure out. The, the decision now for the Bulls is going to be, do we make an effort to kind of get into the playoffs or do we kind of get into this off season and figure things out on what we're going to do with the construction of this roster? Obviously you're building around Zach Levine and um, Vucevic around that. You have a lot of young, great talent. I mean, they picked up Patrick Williams in this past draft that we talked about prior to the season. Um, you know, Lauren marketing, I think is a big question mark on what they want to kind of do with him. Um and they have some other pieces like, you know, they have veteran in Aminu. Is he going to be on this roster? They had picked up Daniel Tice in the trade deadline. I think another interesting guy that we've kind of waited for to take, you know, come to fruition is, is Denzel Valentine from Michigan state. So yep. he's been on the roster for a little bit and again, Kobe white. So, and then the also Thaddeus young. So a lot of good pieces on this team, Obviously, I think if they brought this entire roster back next season with Billy Donovan, do I think they make the playoffs? Yeah, I think they do. They have a good chance. You know, when you have a perennial all-star like Zach Levine, who's been playing well this season, and then again, inside with Vucevic, who is a guy that can get down in that post, do what he does, and also he can knock down shots and rebound. So again, kind of zooming out for this Chicago Bulls team, it's kind of like, what do you get with the role players, right? What is what is the future of marketing on this team? What is the future of Valentine on this team? What is the future of Thaddeus Young and Alfaru Gaminu on this team? So I think those are the biggest question marks going into the offseason for the Chicago Bulls when you kind of know what your foundation is for this team now. Yeah, I think they have that foundation. And obviously the takeaway from this year is how good Zach Levine has been. He obviously mm-hmm. looks like a bona fide superstar on the offensive end. So that's kind of a positive for them. But again, I mean, they have to be an elite offense because, you know, with Vooch out there, your defense is most likely going to be compromised with his inability to move his feet on the defensive end. So, you know, this offense right now, last 10 games, uh, 13th in offense. um, And, you know, that's okay, but it's just not good enough to make up for this defense. The 23rd in defense in their last 10 games. Um, So that kind of will leave you at at that slightly below average team. So, Tough break, obviously, with Levine now going into the health and safety protocols. I think, you know, you know, they traded their pick to Orlando, so you know, no real, yeah. no real opportunity here to tank. So they're going to be going for it. So definitely a team that you know, when you're looking at betting wise, they're going to be all in this year to try to get some postseason action. So that's that's potentially something to look out for. Yeah, let's go now to the Cleveland Cavaliers sitting at twenty and thirty six, three games out of the play in. Um, you know, it feels like they're farther away. Obviously, the, the bottom of that Eastern Conference hasn't been great. Some bright spots this year in terms of young player development, but not many. Um, 
you know, the Sexland backcourt looking like it, you know, maybe took a step forward this year. It's kind of hard to say where, where that pairing mm-hmm. is going. Isaac Okoro has been coming on as of late nicely for them. And they made that trade to get Jared out. And so they have some of their young pieces in place, but, you know, still kind of probably waiting for that electric talent to kind of take them up in the Eastern Conference. What have you kind of made of this Cleveland team this so far this season and uh, where they're headed? Yeah, I mean, this is like a, on paper, this is like a fun team, right? We, yeah. we talked about sex land all season with McKee and, and how good, you know, this, these guys can be. Um, obviously, like you mentioned, they went out and got Jared Allen to kind of be there at the forefront of their interior. So that's a piece they're going to build around. And you kind of took a look at the rest of the roster, right? Now, what is, I think the biggest question mark for me is what is the future of Kevin Love on this team, right? Now, yes. you have a lot of young pieces. He, him and Matthew Delavadova are the two, you know, senior guys on this team. You have Jared Allen, like I mentioned. Now, are you going to want to build around Sexland for the future? So are those three guys part of your future? And then like you just mentioned Isaac Okoro. I kind of questioned this pick when they made it um, in this past draft, but again, if it kind of pans out for them, but I think the I think what kind of concerns me is that your backcourt is they're both six one. Um, defensively, what is that you know going to do for this team in the future? Like you know, you have undersized uh, undersized backcourt. Um, I think that's one of the other concerns for me is again the height and the defense of Sexland and then Kevin Love. What's his future with this team? But again, you know, this is going to again if they get a dry, high draft pick, they could, this is a very deep draft coming up. We'll get into that later uh, in the off season. But again, going back, you have a foundation piece. Is it gonna, is it going to be good enough to get into the playoffs in the next three to four years? I'm not convinced until they maybe landed like a superstar player uh, on this roster. But I think that again, the foundation pieces like we've talked about with the Chicago Bulls, I think have more upside than the Cleveland Cavaliers, but uh, for the next, you know, three to five to seven years with sex land and Jared Allen, you know, all guys that are 20, 20, 21 or young or 22 and younger yeah. and, and Garland 20, 21, 22. And then Jared Allen is 22. So future looks bright for this team, but is it going to be good enough to make a playoffs in the next two, three, four, five years? I'm not sure. Um, it'll be interesting to, to see the continued development of Colin Sexton and Darius Garland going further. I think this was a, another good year for Colin Sexton as a step forward to be a star player for this team i think he's having a great season and hopefully he's able to continue that development and become a the forefront of this team but for the future i think they're going to have to acquire another superstar or also a player on this team to kind of be relevant agreed and you know the rest of the season for the Cavs, i think they will be one of these teams that's tanking going forward so yeah. as always you know you got to pay attention to that with the way the season's going they are two and a half games uh, i guess better than the magic um and and three games ahead of the OKC Thunder tied with the Kings in this sort of tankathon picture that's about to start building. So, you know, they could do well by losing some games, kind of try to secure a little bit of a better spot. And yep. I will say, I, I do like the Sexland backcourt offensively. Uh, I, I think we've kind of seen, I mean, the best case scenario for that backcourt would be Dame and CJ. Like, yeah, obviously the absolute, you know, ceiling yeah. setup. Um, but so we'll have to see like, you know, is that on on its own? Is that going to be even good enough? And um, which it hasn't been in Portland either. 
Yeah. Um, let's go now to the Detroit Pistons, who kind of, in my opinion, have had one of the best tanking seasons that we've seen in recent memory. <laughs> this point differential only at 3.8, negative uh, 3.8. And it feels like they've kind of been in a ton of close games, a lot of good moments with Jeremy Grant and their young players as well. But at 17 and 40, the worst team in the Eastern Conference and the third worst team in the NBA. Um, so, you know, to me, I think it's been kind of an ideal season for them. They seem to have laid some foundation with their young pieces. Um, Isaiah Stewart looking nice. Sadiq Bay looking very nice um, as a wing shooter. Jeremy Grant, obviously that decision panned out. Isaiah Stewart, another guy value they found in the first round. So I do think this has been a very successful season for Detroit. Dwayne Casey looks like a, a nice coach for them going forward. Um, your thoughts on, on the Pistons this season? Yeah, I mean, you. I, I think this group of guys probably have – the better young talent of some of the teams that are not doing so well this season, right? Uh, Siddiqui Bay, like you've mentioned, we've been high on him. And um, they also got Diallo from uh, the OKC Thunder. I think he would be a nice piece for them off the bench to kind of score points for them. And then I think the future of this team is going to be building around Jeremy Grant. I mean, he only has two more years left on his contract after this season, so, are, you know, are they going to go in a different direction or is he going to be on this roster maybe come next year at the trade deadline? I think that'll be interesting conversation going forward. Obviously, you're building around Killian Hayes on this team. And now if they're able to land a top three, four pick again in this draft, there was a very deep draft. Imagine if they landed a guy like Evan Mobley on this team, because I think they kind of need that interior guy because I don't think Mason Plumlee is the answer at that position. Like you mentioned, Isaiah Stewart is another nice piece for this team. But if they're able to get a land a guy like Evan Mobley, pair him with Killian Hayes, you still have Jeremy Grant on the team and some of the other players that we mentioned. It's going to be another team that's going to be very fun to watch. Um, and again, a great foundational piece for for this team, right? We we they're gonna get a high draft pick, like you mentioned, one of the worst teams in the Eastern Conference. Depending on who the player is, the foundation is gonna be laid for this team. And you have, like you said, a great head coach in Dwayne Casey, who will get these guys to play hard. You know, I think it'll kind of be that Tom Thibodeau effect where you kind of bring in yeah. a guy like uh like Dwayne Casey. That that'll be a coach that these players want to come play hard for. And you know, I think for these young teams that have this young talent. We know what they can do on the offensive end. It's going to be about buying in on the defensive end if they want to win games and then, you know, compete for the play-in tournaments and, you know, sneak their way into a seventh or eighth seed going forward. 100%. I think it's been it's been a productive season for the Pistons. Anything else on the Central Division, Munaf? It's been a, a fun show over an hour 15. Um, any, any other thoughts on that? No, that's all I had for that yeah. Central Division. Yeah. And it's great going through that, as always. I know you have some uh, playground to get to in Vegas. I, I think you, you have one or two days left on your show, so I'll let you get, get to that. Uh, in the meantime, where can people find you on Twitter, Munaf? You can find me at SportsNerd824. Um, I am in the desert right now, so I'll try to get up my player props here today. I know my guys, are uh, they just went out to play around round of golf, so I'll, I'll dig into some player props and get it posted on our Slack channel and then on, uh, on my Twitter also. There you go. Are you a golfer? I'm not, man. I, I think I want to get into it because uh, I've started betting on golf a lot more. So we're really in that golf Slack channel, like talking a lot. So uh, I think this is the game that I kind of start to want to, I want to get into. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot, a lot of uh, P 
people entering, starting to play the game of golf with COVID and everything. So yeah. love to see that growing. And yeah, love betting golf as well. You can find me on Twitter at NBA Zach B. And as always, uh, please subscribe, rate, and review to this show and all of our shows on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network and join us in the conversation at sg.pn slash slack, uh, whatever sports you're into, or even NBA Top Shot. There's been a lot of NBA Top uh, yeah. sl- action on the, the Top Shot Slack. So definitely join us there. It's, at, again, sg.pn slash slack. Uh, and thank you all for listening. We'll be back on Wednesday with another show. And uh, have a good one, everybody. Basketball, give me, give me, give me the ball because I'm gonna.